بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. Now we get to the the early da'wah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa sallam for the first two three years or so after he initially received revelation after iqra. The, it's important for us to note that the 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 approach the Prophet took sallallahu alaihi wa sallam during this very fragile time period was the best approach within that fragile time period. It was very under the radar, it was very close to the vest, you could say. It was, it was very low-key. It was, it was done very privately, you could say. So the reason why Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq the reason why he knew about it was because the Prophet spoke to him about it because they had already been close for a number of years, for decades prior to that, alayhi so during these first few years after the Prophet initially receives revelation, the approach that he takes is to do so privately, to, to speak to people who are close to him, Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. He speaks to a few people who are close to him. And you actually find a number of the famous 10, the Ashra Mubashirin bil Jannah, these famous 10 companions who at one time, in one sitting, you could say the Prophet mentioned that all of these 10 people by name, they're all promised Jannah. SubhanAllah. A good number of them accepted Islam at the hands of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. So in Sayyidina Abu Bakr, when he, when, when he received the invitation, he not only jumped on it immediately, but he was very quick to strategically mention and invite a handful of other people, but he chose the right people. And they, they accepted Islam at his hands, very, very important figures in our history. And one of, one of the, the key things that I want to really press upon tonight for all of us to reflect upon in our day-to-day -day lives is the importance of gradual growth. Within these first few years of the invitation to Islam, there was no mention of alcohol, there was no mention of, of gambling, there was no mention of a number of things. We often think of, okay, these are, this is where you start. But the reality is that's not where Allah started with the Sahaba. That's not where the Prophet started with the Sahaba. The Prophet understood that these are human beings. Allah understands us better than we understand ourselves. Allah knows who He created. Allah knows what He created. And Allah knows us very well in that we need, we need time to change. Even if we want to make a thousand changes overnight, even if the sincerity is there and the intention is there, it's still not realistic. So when you look at this very sensitive time period, it's like when you just plant a seed, you have to be very careful, right, as it relates to the soil surrounding that seed. Now, once that seed grows into a big tree, once the acorn turns into a big oak tree, it's, it's not as sensitive. There still has to be care, but it's not the same. So this is very early on. What do you think the core of the message was at that time? La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. To believe in one God, to worship one God. Right? And you have a couple other basic points. Be good to your parents. Basically the Ten Commandments. The core is what was focused upon. And we need to keep this in mind in our day-to-day -day lives. Let's say someone, they show up to the masjid for Jum'ah, for Taraweeh, whatever the case, it could be Dhuhr on a Tuesday, whatever the scenario may be. If they walk into a masjid, let's say a brother walks into a masjid, and he has purple hair, gold chains, and tattooed sleeves on his arms. We need to think to ourselves and ask ourselves, if we're going to talk to this person about anything, what are we going to say, how are we going to say it? 
Personally, I would not say anything about his hair. I wouldn't say anything about his gold chains. I wouldn't say anything about his tattoos. Why? Because at that point in time, it doesn't matter. Give people time to grow. Give them 10 years to grow. Give them 15 years to grow. Hijab was not mandated until over 15 years after Iqra. But we, we expect people, they accept Islam, and then within 24 hours, we give them a checklist of 14,000 things and change all of that. I'll see you in 24 hours, and you better have everything changed by then. We ourselves don't understand our deen. We ourselves don't understand the gradual progression that occurred within the lives of the best Muslims, the Sahaba of the Prophet himself, وسلم, if they were given, if God and His Messenger gave them many years to develop, and it worked, it worked. You don't have the, the growth that they had during the lifetime of the Prophet, and even after the lifetime of the Prophet, if you don't have a solid foundation to start with. That foundation was La ilaha illallah, coupled with social justice issues. You know, don't bury your daughters. Be good to your neighbors. Be good to your parents. Be good to people. Just be a good person. And that worked. That approach worked. That was the foundation that was laid during that time. And we need to keep this in mind because Sayyidina Aisha, she would say this many years later. She would say this, you know, very well after this time period, of course. She, she mentioned that early on, Allah revealed surahs that focused on Tawheed, that focused on the Day of Judgment, that focused on the core of the core. Because if early on Allah had said that alcohol was haram, the people, they would have said, Wallahi, we'll never stop drinking. And if Allah commanded early on to not commit zina, people, they would have said, Wallahi, we'll never stop committing zina. Meaning they weren't ready for those things at that time. Step by step, little by little by little. And again, these aren't just stories that we learn and that's it, but to really process them, digest them, to reflect upon them. How do we treat people, people when they come to our community? How do we treat people when they come to any masjid? Do we, do we even know their name? Do we know their first name, their last name? Do we know their family situation? Right? Imagine that person, they may not even be Muslim, but they're curious because they have a good friend who's Muslim and they're a really good person. And so they start asking them questions about Islam and, you know, what, what do you believe in and why and what do you practice and why and how do you do it? And, and they become more and more and more positively interested. And so they ask them, can I come to the masjid with you? I just want to see. I, I want to see this, this incredible, you're mentioning incredible ideas. I want to see them in action. And if they come with that friend to Jum'ah, no one else knows what their situation is. And the reality is no one else needs to know the specifics of their situation just to be kind to them, just to be good to them, just to, to smile when they meet them, just to, to, to ask them, do you need anything? Can I help you in any way? You don't, know what the, you don't know what that person is going through behind closed doors. And the reality is everyone is dealing with major challenges behind closed doors. Shouldn't that make us more compassionate people? Shouldn't that make us people who value kindness even more? Because if someone is going through hell in their own lives, chances are they're probably going to be really kind to other people because they wouldn't wish that pain upon other people. That's what should happen. They turn those lemons into lemonade and they offer kindness to people, mercy to people, because they know what it's like to go through pain. And if someone is going through pain, very deep, severe pain, if they show up to a masjid, People don't need to know the pain they're going through in order to be kind to them. The default should be kindness and mercy. 
And you, you, you look at the life of the Prophet ﷺ, you look at the approach that he had with the Sahaba, you look at the love that he shared with them, the kindness that he, that he showed them. You had people embracing Islam. One, one of the ambassadors of Quraysh, he, he was actually from Banu Thaqif in Taif, he, they, basic, they basically bring him in to, to be an ambassador on their part at the tribe of Hudaybiyah, a very important point in our history. He's on the other side. He's not even on the Muslim side. He's on the non-Muslim side. He's on the side of Quraysh. But he observed with his eyes how the Sahaba interacted with the Prophet, how much they loved him, and how much he loved them. And that resulted in him after that event. He became Muslim. He went back to his people in Taif, invited them to Islam. They refused and they killed him because he accepted Islam and he was inviting them to Islam. They didn't like that. They killed him. What led him to accept Islam? The mercy that he saw embodied within the Muslims in front of him. So we need to keep this in mind to be kind to people. We don't know what they're going through. They may not be Muslim. They show up. They just want to see how, how, how are the Muslims going to treat me? If people treat them well, it can very well impact their eternity. And if they're treated poorly, that may very well impact their eternity. So we need to be kind to people and we, we need to go back to the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ and to look at what was his approach. Very early on, what was the approach? Just focus on the basics, one step at a time, little by little by little, and it worked. And it worked. That kindness, that mercy, that compassion, that was priority number one. That was the, 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 the main ingredient, you could say. So we need to ask ourselves, when we go through the seerah of the Prophet, are we learning from it? Are we transforming? Are we becoming better people? Are we becoming a more compassionate community? Because we don't know what people are going through. Do you think the Prophet was going to people early on in Mecca? You need to quit this, you need to quit that, you need to... No, it's an invitation. If you invite someone for dinner, you don't go and attack them. You invite them kindly and lovingly and nicely because you really deeply, sincerely care about that invitation. And the reality is we can't compare a dinner invitation to an invitation to Jannah, to paradise. Forever and ever and ever. We ask Allah to help us to connect with the seerah of the Prophet and we ask Allah to help us to internalize the wisdom that we find in the approach of the Prophet, the life of the Prophet. And we ask Allah to help us to internalize the compassion that the, the Prophet embodied and taught us to embody likewise. We ask Allah to gather all of us in paradise. We ask Allah to turn any and all of our hardships into ease. For anyone who's really, really going through a difficult time, we ask Allah to alleviate them of all of their difficulties and to improve their situation. And Allah knows best how, who, when, where Allah knows, but we ask Allah and we leave it in His hand and Allah's the best of planners. And we, we put our trust in Allah, hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. We ask Allah to gather all of us in paradise. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.